Good morning. Wow, we love Valley Church. Well, thank you. You know, we travel so much, we've become spiritual wine connoisseurs. And the Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see. And I love to come into a, a church and taste God's goodness. Uh, and, and, you know, we've been tasting what's here. And mmm. It's a unique vintage, and it's powerful, and, and, and we taste passion, we taste surrender, we taste good leadership, we, we taste uh, just relational connectivity and people strong in relationships and pursuing that. Uh, we taste risk-taking, we, we taste hope. Anything you taste, That's our Wendy? favorite type. Favorite taste. Oh, I know. That's a good one. <laughs> and it's kind of strong. What do they call it? A, a hundred proof? Or <laughs> uh, a hundred proof hope? Oh, uh, yeah. Just thank you so much. And uh, I love the, um, the Tribe Youth Conference you're going to have. Yes, that's coming up. <laughs> Pastor Tim, so good. And you have... Um, Jordan Young and from Young Saints, and I've got my grandson here with uh, one of his good friends, uh, Judah, and they're part of Young Saints in Reading, and they're, they're part of our ministry team, and I thought, how would you like to just hear just something quick from them? You guys want to hear that? Come on up, guys. Yes. Why don't you say, hi, Judah. Hi, guys. And say hi, Caden. Hi, guys. Caden's <laughs> my grandson. And, and, and so, yeah, I just asked them to, by the way, how old are you? I'm 16. And Caden? 16. Yep. All right. And, and, and Judah, what are you passionate about? I'm really passionate about seeing uh, kids, especially orphan kids and people who don't have a whole lot of family, come to safety and like, just feel the love through Christ. Uh, it's just a really big thing for me. Yes, and you spent some years in Africa with Iris Ministries, Heidi Baker. How many years were you there? Uh, I lived in Africa for, for about five years, uh, on and off. Wow. And as you've been praying over this, this service and the church here, what have you been hearing? I've been hearing and seeing a lot of, like, like how tight you guys' church community is. Um, you guys are super, like, intertwined with each other, and it's, I haven't seen it anywhere else like this, this tight. Um, like, I, uh, on Tuesday night when we first got here, or Thursday night when we first got here, um, I went to the, the VSSM, and just when we were giving words, everyone was, like, just super supportive, and it was just amazing to see how, like, how everyone knew who each other was, and it's just, I just have never seen it. It was really, really great. So good. And one more thing. You were sharing about just a miracle you saw uh, in Africa about somebody who was healed, who had cuts. Why don't you just share that? A uh, cyclone had just hit, and me and my dad and a good buddy of ours who had run the, like, the maintenance shop on the base we were at, we all went and went, were going into the villages and just kind of rebuilding houses, checking on people. And we were uh, just putting this metal roof on one house, and 
I remember we went inside and there was this maybe 17-year-old girl and her arm had a bunch of cuts on the left side and I'm not sure what it was from, I don't remember. But we ended up praying for her for, and it was maybe 15 minutes and all of a sudden her just, like you could watch her cuts just start to go away. Do it again, Lord. Wow. Hey, Caden, what are you passionate about? Uh, I'm passionate about mental health in young men. Wow, mental health in young men. So good. And what, uh, as you were praying, and just what, what were you sensing to share today? Um, I saw the verse, Proverbs 27, 17, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. And that relates to mental health, because if you're surrounded by the wrong people, they'll dull you. And you want to be around strong people who will sharpen you and train you. Amen. You guys receive that? Yeah, give it up for these two powerhouses. Thanks, guys. Wow. As iron sharpens iron, one man sharpens another. And we're also really blessed to have our son Kyle and uh, his wife Amanda and Case and Zane. Why don't you guys just stand up? Just they live in uh, Middleton, yes. And they, uh, Kyle's a fifth grade teacher at Washington Elementary uh, here in Caldwell, and Amanda is a speech therapist. And so they are contributing powerfully to the health and well-being of this city and families and young people, and we love them, and we're so proud of them, and glad they're in this service. Wendy, anything you're sensing before we get going today? Yeah. Yes, there was. <laughs> what, what is it? Um, I was just sensing that God reminded me of a season where I was just so thankful for all that God had already done for me, and it just seemed like he'd already given me more than I was worth. And I felt like God said there's some people here that need to realize that there's even more. It's not just taking you out of something. He wants to bring you into something really, really good. And he reminded me of one time when we were praying about our finances and just trying to get, I mean, we were thankful that we always had enough, but we lived in just enough. Anybody ever been there? <laughs> the land of just enough? <laughs> and... Uh, I was like, God, what are we doing wrong? And he said, you're not doing anything wrong. You're believing wrong. Because sometimes it's not about what you're doing. It's about what you believe. And he said, your problem is, is that you're only able to receive what you think you're worth. And he said, as soon as I bless you over the amount that you value yourself, you unconsciously step out of the blessing. And I just felt like God wanted to say, he is not holding anything back from you, whether it's a new freedom or a new ability to, um, you know, just increase in your life. And so it's not about, you know, what's wrong with me. It's, God, what am I believing that's holding it back? It's not what you're doing that's keeping it from you. It's what you're believing that's keeping it from you. So can everybody say, I am worthy of more than enough? I'm worthy of more than enough. Amen. That's so powerful. And yeah, because once we get blessed with favor or resources beyond what we think we're worth, that's where the mind battle really is. 
and the tendency to self-sabotage our life back down to uh, the level that we believe we're worth. By the way, that's just getting broken off people this morning. I do a, a weekly podcast, and one of them I did a while back is called the imposter syndrome. <laughs> and the imposter syndrome is just that, where we don't think we're we are worthy of what is happening within our lives and go after that. And I want to read a scripture. I know you guys like the Bible. And we, we talked today about dry bones. Ezekiel 37. For some of you, that's your... By the way, I've got three others. I've got... Uh, why don't you guys stand up? Three other team members. Uh, Angela, Peter, and Melinda. They're going to help close the service today, and we're looking there with, with us. But Ezekiel 37, for some of you, it's a very familiar verse. Others of you, this is the first time you've heard it. But listen with your spirit today. It says, the hand of the Lord was upon me. By the way, I want you to say, the hand of the Lord is upon me. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, thought, I just paused there. I thought you'd like that one. And he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord. Yeah, I'm not going to have you say it all, but just, uh, you know, yeah, that, there's a couple of things that are, are really worth saying. In the spirit of the Lord, and set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. And he led me around among them, and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley and behold, they were very dry. Say, very dry. very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? You know, basically, what, what he was saying here, he's saying, Ezekiel, I have a question for you. I'd like to know what you think about something. Because what you think is going to determine what I can do. Can these bones live? And I answered... Oh, Lord God, you know. <laughs> then he said to me, prophesy. Say the word prophesy. He said, prophesy over these bones and say to them, Oh, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. Why don't you just say, America, you shall live. Why don't you say, families, you shall live. Why don't you say, integrity and leadership, you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you and will cause flesh to come up upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live. And you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And then the story goes on. There was a rattling. And the bones came together. And, and, and these dry bones became an exceedingly great army. What do you think of that verse, Wendy? I love the whole chapter. But... I love the fact that God wasn't afraid for him to see how bad things looked. You know, faith isn't pretending like it's not dead. <laughs> faith is just believing in a power that raises things from the dead. 
believing in a good God that can actually do the impossible. And for me, one of the biggest things that helped me was I didn't realize, but I felt like God's realm and the spirit of God was um, kind of like ghost-like. And as long as his realm and the kingdom seems ghost-like to you, it won't carry much power. We have to realize that the realm of the kingdom actually has more substance than this realm. It doesn't mean this realm doesn't exist. It's just that the creator can't have less substance than what he created. And so applying more faith and understanding the substance and the ability of his realm to influence this realm is crucial. That's the only way we're going to believe, you know, that this realm can be influenced. And to do that, we have to go after the realm of the spirit, to know how powerful it is. You know, if, if spirit created this realm, then guess what influences it? It was created to be influenced by spirit. And that just helped me increase that faith to be able to speak. And, and Jesus said, my words are spirit and life. And if it's influenced by spirit, and when you're speaking the words of God, it's spirit, it just increases your, uh, your faith to believe, yes, God can change my circumstance. And so I'm sure you liked where the Lord says he brought Ezekiel up in the spirit. Oh, I do like that. <laughs> and partly because sometimes we try to connect with God with our brain, brain to spirit. But it says we can only worship him spirit to spirit. So we have to worship to the point where we feel our spirit once again rising up and responding to his spirit. And that's where we begin to speak the words of God. Mm. So good. Yeah, I love what you said, Wendy, about the Lord's not afraid of us seeing how dry things are. Faith isn't in denial. Faith doesn't, isn't a... a at a place where we say, there's no problems. That, and God's not afraid of us seeing how dry things are. How, again, how dry government is, how dry finances are, how dry maybe uh, the church is in some ways. But we just can't get our beliefs out of its dryness. We can't get our beliefs from what we see or feel. We get our beliefs from what he's saying. Now, we have a, a ministry called Igniting Hope Ministries, and, and we have an assignment to ignite hope. And there, there, because there's no hopeless circumstances, there's just people who do not have hope. And once people get true hope, circumstances can't stay the same. Hope's an unstoppable force. If something's going to change, somebody has hope. Hope is the belief that the future will be better than the present, and I have the power to help make it so. Let me say that again. Hope is the belief that the future will be better than the present, and I have the power to help make it so. It says in Psalm 27, verse 13, and when we think about the power of hope, uh, the psalmist says, I would have lost heart. 
unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. What? Not after we die? No, we, we love that hope. <laughs> we love the blessed hope. But he's talking about hope here. And hope is linked to vision. It says in Proverbs 29, without a vision, the people perish. Unless we believe that things are going to get better and we can contribute to it and we're significant in that and we can make things better, then we begin to perish. And Wendy, I don't know if you know this, but uh, God loves to partner with unreasonably optimistic people. I've noticed that. He, he, yeah, he loves to partner with unreasonably optimistic people. Can you, can you imagine David attacking Goliath today? Uh, hey, David, before you attack Goliath, we're just looking on our phones here. And we're reading what the experts are saying. <laughs> the experts are saying you shouldn't have such high beliefs. The experts are, are, are saying that you should just go back to the fields and take care of those few sheep and, and make it your life goal just to be able to pay your bills every month. Because <laughs> what the experts are saying is you're actually going to get killed. Let's laugh at that. <laughs> hey, Ezekiel, before you prophesy to those dry bones, we just want to let you know what the experts are saying. <laughs> the experts are saying you must not know how dry those bones really are. Or you wouldn't be so optimistic. The experts are saying you should do a deeper study on the bones' dryness. So that you'll become more realistic. Because what the experts are saying, when you speak to the bones, nothing's going to happen. Let's laugh at that. <laughs> you know, we need to remember that the experts are experts in the natural. We're supposed to be experts in the supernatural. If you don't have hope for a situation in your life, it's because you're looking at it in the natural. And we're not supposed to be realistic. We're supposed to be supernatural. And one of the things that I was just thinking about when he was talking was sometimes we think we, we have hope. But God told me, you know, Wendy, unless hope has actually changed your emotions about the circumstance, you don't have true hope. Hope isn't, oh, I hope so. Because when you say it that way, your emotions mean you don't believe it. A true hope is a confident expectation that good's coming. And we have to start applying it not as a general thing for life, but, you know, having true hope that that loved one's going to be delivered or your finances are going to not just make it, but they're going to begin to uh, increase to the point where you can be the giver that you want to be. I kind of noticed that there's a lot of people with an anointing to give and the enemy has them trapped under a lie that they don't have enough money or they're not worthy for money. 
And so they are not getting to live out part of their destiny. It's really okay to desire more. I remember praying a prayer once, God, because I heard someone had given someone a car, and I thought, oh, wouldn't that be fun to do, give somebody a car? And prayed about it, but it wasn't until a few years later that we ended up giving a car away. It was used, it was, you know, had cars, but it was still, when we did it, he reminded me, didn't you say that's what you wanted to do? We need to start praying about, you know, if you have a desire to be a giver, if nothing makes you happier than giving to people, then you need to actually begin calling in the finances for it. Somebody needs your faith. I want you to say, I'm going to give a car away. I remember when we first started writing books and, and just promoting our ministry, I was talking to the Lord and saying, God, this feels selfish. <laughs> this feels selfish to do this. And he said, Steve, if you don't increase your talents, you're selfish. If you don't write books, you're selfish. And, and, and just even today, we just break off false humility and, and, and just the, the thing, you know, the, you got Matthew 25, the one who buried his talent out of fear, out of fear of failure, religious perfectionism. And, and he was not celebrated versus the two who increased their talents. And this is a year of talent increasing in lives. This is a year. And I said, Lord, what if I become prideful? He said, well, Steve, I've got some great ways to deal with pride. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry about it. You know, uh, we could humble you rather quickly. <laughs> Anybody say amen to that? <laughs> hope is um, hope so powerful. God needs to partner with somebody who has hope to accomplish his will. In Ezekiel 37, the Lord didn't say to Ezekiel, Hey, Ezekiel, step aside, watch me prophesy to these bones. No, he needed someone else to tell the bones, You're going to live. Dry bones, I've got a word for you. You have a good future. That's really what you're saying when you're going to live. You have a good future. How many know that's good news? And that's really what, what prophecy is and, and prophesying. And, uh, and, and the Lord is, even in this house, this is a house, a prophetic house. And I see the Lord is going to use you increasingly like never before to prophesy to dry families, to prophesy uh, to, to, to dry, uh, even where there's crime and things to, uh, what do I call that, dry obedience? <laughs> Who knows? But you'll prophesy to that, and, and it's, it's powerful. It's powerful. The Lord needs to partner with somebody who has hope to accomplish his will. Yeah. And I was just thinking, you know, one of the biggest hindrances to hope is shame and guilt. 
I know that sounds weird, but sometimes if we don't feel worthy, it's hard to hope for a future because we think our future is attached to who we are or who we think we are. And so getting rid of that, and one of the ways God helped me to get over that feeling of unworthiness was learning to celebrate myself, my small baby steps. In fact, you know, when a baby is learning to walk, we celebrate the one step, right? We don't make them feel shameful for the 50 falls. And we don't determine their future by the 50 falls. We determine their future by the one step. For some reason, they take one, you know, horribly wobbly step, and we declare they're, they must be walkers. They have the gift of yeah. walking. And I remember God saying, Wendy, from now on, I want you to celebrate every, every time you fall or fail, I want you to celebrate yourself. And I'm like, wait, what? You want me to celebrate my failure? And he said, yes, because when you fall, it means you were standing. And so you celebrate the fact that, wow, you know, I only got depressed for three hours instead of ten. I was only angry for, you know, 30 minutes when I came back to myself and God's goodness instead of being angry for three days. You celebrate. And what I discovered is celebration actually motivates and gives vision and guilt and condemnation makes you want to quit. Be self-aware. If you want to quit, it's because you've been under guilt and condemnation, which is illegal for Christians. <laughs> say, that, say that again. Guilt and shame and condemnation is illegal. God actually told me, I, Wendy, I won't work with guilt and condemnation. Because I don't want guilt and condemnation to get the glory for your change. If guilt and condemnation could change you, then Jesus didn't need to die. It's an illegal tool. Get rid of it out of the toolbox. Use celebration and a reminder of who God says you are for transformation. Woohoo! And we not only use it on ourselves, not, not to use it on ourselves, but not to use it on others. Please don't. <laughs> I remember when we first got married, I, I tried to motivate Wendy through guilt and condemnation. Someone say, boo. <laughs> and that didn't work. And he said, I, he said, love her unconditionally. So what if I love her unconditionally without my little barbs and, you know, uh, guilt trips, what might she become? Ha ha. <laughs> and it, I haven't done it perfectly, but there was a change. There's a change. By the way, the Lord's freeing people up from uh, a critical attitudes, perfectionism today, pessimism about others, seeing people according to their past rather than according to their potential. It doesn't mean you don't have brave communication. It doesn't mean you don't have boundaries in relationships. But your, your heart for people is from a place of believing in them. Yeah. 
and you become part of the solution rather than part of the problem. I like that example about toddlers learning to walk and that we celebrate them. Yeah, if parents were like many Christian leaders, here's what they would do when their toddler's trying to walk and falling down. They would say this, quit trying to walk. You're being presumptuous and prideful. It's clear you do not have the gift of walking. Because if you had the gift of walking, you wouldn't be struggling. It wouldn't be so hard for you if you had the gift. Besides, if you had the gift of walking, you'd already be walking. Don't you know walking ceased with the apostles? <laughs> it's clear. <laughs> It's clear that in God's infinite wisdom and superior sovereignty, He has predestined you with the gift of crawling. <laughs> be content in this state you're in. If God wants you to be a walker, He'll zap you, poof, and you'll start walking with no struggle. That's just ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, that's just... You know, let me just say this. I like to laugh at things because to laugh, you have to let go of, of, of the lies that are creating our negative strongholds. Why don't we, let's just laugh at this, this lie. <clears throat> A couple of them. If you tried to speak in front of other people and it was difficult and you struggled, it means you do not have the gift of speaking. Kind of nervous laughter out there when you get not, not sure. You, know. you ruined their excuses. I know. I, just, I, 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 don't, I don't know if they still like me. You know. If you tried to lead something and it didn't go well and you struggled and it was hard for you, it means you did not have the gift of leadership. Ha <laughs> ha. Because if you had the gift of leadership, you wouldn't struggle. Ha <laughs> ha. If you tried to walk in joy and hope, but you kept falling down into discouragement and depression, it means you do not have the ability or gift to walk in joy and hope. Ha ha. Because if you had the gift and ability, it would be easy for you. And because you struggle, it means that you don't have the gift. Ha ha. Yeah. The first time I tried to speak in front of a group of like 25 people, um, I fasted all day, prayed all day, because I hated speaking in public. And how many minutes were you given? Oh, I was given like five minutes. It was all I had to do. And I got up on the stage, started crying, turned around and sat down and told myself, I will never speak in public again. Ha <laughs> ha. Uh -huh. So don't use your past experience to determine your future. You do not want your past to become the God of your future. 
You don't want your past to become the God of your future. And if you keep reminding yourself of your past and you keep going over and over and use your past as your testimony, you're just going to keep experiencing the same thing over and over and over again. But one of the things when he was talking about children, I was reminded of when Caden, who was up here, was learning to walk. And for, I don't know, a few months, um, he and his parents were living with us because they had moved from one town to the town we were in. And he was learning to walk, and he was the happiest baby. I mean, he was learning to walk. He was a toddler, get up, you know, ready for the day. And I remember having the thought, why are toddlers so happy? Why aren't they depressed? Because what I was thinking is that the first year of life, they fail more than anybody else. It's, it's a whole year of failure. They try to talk, they can't. They try to grab things and they can't. You know, There's just all this failure going on and yet they don't get dis- depressed or discouraged and think I'm not gonna try anymore. And so I'm kind of talking to God about, you know, why is it that, you know, if they're even raised in a halfway decent home, they keep trying to do it. Even in horrible homes, they still try to walk. And so I was asking God about it, and he said, well, the reason they don't get discouraged and depressed is because they're so convinced they can do what their parents do that failure doesn't move them. And that's when I realized I'm not convinced that I can do what my daddy does. I haven't raised the dead yet, but I will because my daddy does. I'm not going to use my past to determine my future. I'm going to use my father to determine my future. Someone say, that's a good word, Wendy. Those who succeed most also seem to fail most. Because they're trying to walk at higher levels. I mean, sports, sports teams that go to a higher level, uh, higher divisions, whether football or whatever, they usually lose when they start playing better competition. And the tendency is to try to reduce our life down to where we're not failing. Say that again. The tendency is to try to reduce our life down where we don't look like a failure or feel like a failure. People who go higher understand that feeling like a failure and experiencing what seems to be failure is normal. Man, I mean, you know, I remember when I first started writing books, I thought, you know, I've never written a book. It feels hard. He's, well, that's where everybody starts. Everybody starts who has never written a book. And I did a lot of failing. I did a lot of stuff. Wow. Whew. And, and, and yet, this, uh, this is a year. This is a year where we're breaking out uh, of the tendency just to play it safe. This is a year. This Talk is a about year. your joy, your, your goal to increase your joy. Oh, yeah. I remember when I read... A study that said little children laugh on average of 400 times a day. Somebody say yay. Yay. 
The same study said adults laugh only 15 times a day. Somebody say boo. And the Bible says a merry heart is good like medicine. So I said, I'm going to, <clears throat> I'm going to laugh 400 times a day minimum as part of my well-being and longevity and health plan. <laughs> By the way, I count every haw as a laugh. <laughs> Got two right there. But I, I, I lost, it's like if you use football terms, Wendy, I lost 60 to nothing, you know, first, about the first, you know, six months or whatever, and, uh, you know, I'd increase it, and, but, but you just stick with it. You stick with it, because it, it, it's, it's identity, believing that we are who God says we are, and once we understand that God says we are powerful. We are more than a conqueror. We are those who can do all things. How many know all things is a lot of things? <laughs> According to Christ who strengthens me. And, and, and so, but, but we, we, we stick with it. We stick with it. Yeah, I think one of the things that helped me was to realize when God began talking to us about joy and hope, at first I thought, oh, great, now I have to pretend to be happy, too. <laughs> you know, it's like I have to work up an emotion of hope. Yes, I'm hopeful, you know, and, and I'm just not, you know, I can pretend for a while. I just don't have the energy to do it for a whole day. <laughs> and <laughs> so I was kind of like, great, you know, I'm working so hard for you, and now I have to be happy, too. And... Um, because I feel like there's people out there, yeah, I'd like hope, but I don't think I could just, you know, work it up. And what set me free was he said, Wendy, joy and hope aren't an emotion that you work up. It's a fruit of new beliefs. Yeah. If you want to change your emotions, you need a new belief. <laughs> Everything you believe is not true. You know, I have a little plaque in my living room that says, don't believe everything you think. <laughs> if your thought doesn't lead to hope, it's a bad thought. <laughs> and it's not of God. If it discourages you, it's not of God. And should we be having thoughts that are not of God? It's not about just thoughts that are sinful, you know, you know, thinking bad things about people or, or dirty thoughts. It's about thoughts that don't line up with the joy and the goodness of God. And learning that there's a difference between a mental agreement and a deep-seated belief. God challenged me once, and he said, Wendy, do you believe I'm going to meet all your needs? And I'm, oh, yes, I believe the whole Bible, God. You'll meet all my needs, pressed down, shaken together, overflowing. And he had the nerve to say, then why are you worried? <laughs> and I'm like, do my emotions have to believe it too? And he said, that's how you'll know you believe it. If your beliefs haven't changed your emotions, you don't believe it yet. 
And the same with reading the Bible, because I thought I believed the Bible. And he said, Wendy, unless the Bible's changed your view of reality, you don't believe it. Unless the Bible has changed your view of reality, you don't believe it. Because we live in a whole new realm with whole new potential and power. And it needs to change how we view this life. Yes. As we begin to wrap this up, and we're going to bring our team up in a moment, and one of my favorite hope verses is, well, I'll share two of them. One is Hebrews 10.23. It says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. Just say confession of our hope. <laughs> let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Now, now we're not into positive thinking. We're into biblical optimism. I want to say that again. We're not into positive thinking. We're into biblical optimism. Romans 15, 13 says, now, say now. now. When's now? now? Okay, this is an above average group. Now may the God of hope fill you. When? Now. When things get better in your life? Now. When things change in our government? Now. When you overcome that personal weakness? Now. When that family situation gets better? Now. Oh, now. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. Hope has two buddies who hang out with him. One's called all joy, the other's called peace. Because anytime you, you get filled by the God of hope, all joy and peace comes too. And it's about emotions. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. Say in believing. And it goes on to say that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. You, you, you start believing and then Holy Spirit gets involved his power gets involved. His power starts to influence how you think. And, and you abound in hope. You get the Tigger anointing. In my leadership, I used to have some symptoms of the Eeyore anointing. Pastor Eeyore. Yeah. Nobody wants Pastor Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh. Yeah, hello, everybody. I'm Pastor Eeyore. It's good to have all two of you here. <laughs> Mom, thanks for coming. I'm in part 85 of my series, Why Things Are Only Going to Get Worse. People tend to not want to follow hopeless leaders. Napoleon said leaders are brokers of hope. And so Romans 15, 13 basically says, now may the God of hope fill you in believing. The moment we believe truth is the moment we get filled by the God of hope. Increasing hope is the evidence we're renewing our mind with truth instead of lies. Decreasing hope is the evidence we're renewing our minds with lies instead of truth. And this changed our life to where we began to recognize that our hopelessness about a problem was a bigger problem than the problem. Yeah. 
that if we try to change circumstances without changing the beliefs surrounding those circumstances, we're probably not going to see transformation. And so I've got to ask the question, what's the lies that I'm believing that are creating this lack of hope, whether it's about me personally, about uh, relationships, about finances, about my nation? What, what is it? Because if I believe truth, I will get hope in those areas. And, and this is, this changed us. I think, here's a little key. If you get nothing else from this morning, remember this phrase, what do I need to believe to have hope for this? As soon as, you know, I, I like to be self-aware so I know when I'm feeling hopeless or anxious or, you know, and the best way to, to recognize when you're hopeless is, or, you know, anxious is to practice being in the presence of God. When you feel hopeful and you feel at peace, the more you're in that state, the more easy it is to recognize when you're out of it. You know, I read a, a book once that said that 85% of all Americans live in a state of stress and don't even know it. They think it's normal. Because it has been normal for them. So practicing in your presence of God, practice the presence of peace. Practice that feeling of dominion that you get when you're in his presence and that feeling of hope. So whenever I start feeling that anxiousness or fear or depression, I, I go back to that question. What do I need to believe to have hope for this? Because it's always a, a new belief system. And just because you, you think it once doesn't mean you fully believe it. It means, okay, I'm going to go after this belief to get it from here to here so that it just rises up immediately. Like for one of mine, I remember just we were doing some declarations together and one of our declarations was we have favor with both God and man. And I said that, and then all of a sudden I said, we have so much favor, even if I try to get people to dislike us, we can't. And I, when I heard that, I said, yeah. Wendy, can you say that? <laughs> and God said, yes, that's legal to say, because favor isn't just from performance, it's also from a spirit of favor. And what that did, when I began to declare that over and over and over, it became a belief system. So sometimes I would get to speak to groups that were kind of intimidating, you know, like a whole bunch of pastors or, you know, people I've admired from afar. And I get up, and at first that feeling of performance comes back. Like, oh, I hope I'm going to speak okay. But because I'd been declaring, even if I tried to get them to dislike me, I couldn't that would pop back into my head and that spirit of performance would leave. And I now have a deep-seated belief that if God wants you to like me, you will. <laughs> it's a spirit. And that it, it, it helps us just to relax and be ourselves because people will like you if you're just you. You are likable. It's when you're all nervous and you know, anxious, it's not that they don't like you, but nobody likes to be around nervous, anxious people. It makes them nervous and anxious. 
So just being at peace and believing, I can just be me and they're gonna like me. And if they don't, you know, what's wrong with them? <laughs> I want you to say, I, I, like I like me. All right, here, Wendy, I got a story to close. You're gonna like this one. Yeah, by the way, this message is really called the power of hope. The power of hope. Our hope level determines our influence level. He who has the most hope has the most influence. It's difficult to influence that which we do not have hope for. And again, hope... Say that again. It is difficult to influence that which we do not have hope for. Again, whether it's ourselves, whether it's a family member whether it's somebody at work, whether it's a nation, that, so our, our battle. Can I just throw one thing? God actually told me when we were senior leaders, he said, Wendy, you are not allowed to counsel anybody that you don't have hope for. You can give them the best counsel that you have, but they will pick up on the spirit of hopelessness you have for them. And they already don't have hope for themselves. What they need is hope. That's the greatest gift you can give them is that you believe in a God that's so good, he's going to pull them out of whatever they're in. Yep, you believe those bones can live. When you get hope, you get energy. When you believe that the future is going to be better than the present, you have, and you have the power to help make it so, you get energized. Ooh, bless you. I'd say this, most people, a lot of people's tiredness is spiritual, not physical. Because of a lack of hope, a lack of vision. Just the belief that, that I can't make a difference and that the future's not going to get better. And if you're there today, well, we're, we've all been there. So there's no condemnation if you're there. But you're not going to stay there. You wouldn't be in this meeting uh, uh, or listening to this but if, if your future wasn't good. God, God has set you up. But I was thinking about, because when you get hope, then you get ideas, and then you, you give God things to work with, and you, you increase your talents, and you try things. And I, I was, there was a, in 1965, there was a family in Cocoa Beach, Florida, who were having a family reunion. And, and at 2 a.m., Grandma said this, Everybody up! I've just heard a word from the Lord. And this is a grandma who has hope. And here's what she heard. She said, we're going to fill Coke bottles with em encouraging... Empty Coke bottles. What? Empty Coke empty bottles. Empty Coke bottles. Thank you, Wendy. Yes, I need you. <laughs> empty Coke bottles... And they're going to write messages and put them in the Coke bottle and then seal the bottle. And it was messages, scripture of hope. And, and they had 200 of these and, and they threw them out into the ocean. Now, how many of you know you're not going to do that unless you have hope? Not unless you believe you can make a difference. And, and, and so uh, all through the years, and they put their address on there and, and they got letters from people who said, I got the bottle, I found a Coke bottle, thank you for your message. Well, nine years after 
she sent, this is in, in Dutch Sheet's book, The Power of Hope, by the way, if you want to read this. Nine years after they threw the Coke bottle into the ocean, there was a woman in Ohio who had, her husband had died. There, she lost in, income because of that. She was going into bankruptcy, and it was in winter, and she was going to go down to the river, cut a hole in the ice, and commit suicide. And she cuts a hole in the ice. And guess what popped up? A Coke bottle. A Coke bottle. And it had the words of hope on there. And I mean, you think about that. You know, uh, one of my things is I want to give God a lot to work with. And you think about that. How in the world a nine-year journey does a Coke bottle end up in Ohio? It sounds impossible. But when you get hope and you believe you can make a difference... You start getting energized. You start getting ideas. You start just, you know, breaking out. And then what God does is that he takes those things and, and takes them farther than you ever imagined they would go. And people get set free. People get hope. And she, she wrote a letter back to, now I know I can live. I know. That, that is not a coincidence. And when we become hope people, whether we're speaking to people, we take someone aside and just say, I see good things in you. No, you're going to make it. You're gonna, I don't, God's going to do it. And, or, or, or we prophesy or we, we throw Coke bottles into the sea. So, wow. So thank you, Lord. Just thank you for... Uh, even the day and team, come on up while I'm, I'm praying right now. And um, just, just thank you for, Lord, what you've done today. Thank you that nobody's here by accident. Thank you just even for people who are um, struggling today for hope. I thank you just for a seed to get in them. A seed of your love. A seed of your purpose. A seed that's incredible. And then, Father, thank you for just even in our own lives, of, of just exposing lies and just freeing us from the lies, creating our lack of hope. And thank you for truth that's going to fill us with hope. And we celebrate, Lord, our progress in that as well. And, and, and Father, thank you that there's going to be women like the woman in Ohio because of our lives who are going to be able to live, who are going to be able to have a crucial uh, turning point in their lives. You guys receive this? Yes. You say, I receive it. Receive it. I'll, never be the same again. I'll never be the same again. Amen. Give the Lord a shout of praise. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Well, I've got three wonderful people with me. I got Melinda, Peter, and Angela. Melinda and Peter are married. They're third-year students at the Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry, serving on my team this year, and they've done so well. And 
Angela, who also did the school, now is working for Igniting Hope Ministries and doing such a great job. And why don't you guys move forward just a little bit? And yep. Um, hey, Melinda, uh, just by the way, I know you've got something. I've been asking them to pray over you and, and just especially with this theme of hope today. Um, what, are you, what are you passionate about, by the way? I'm passionate about inner healing and deliverance. Inner healing and deliverance. And seeing marriages restored. And seeing marriages. And, and I take it you've had some inner healing and deliverance. Quite a bit. You've had quite a bit. That kind of gives you a passion for it when you see it works in, your, in, in your own life. What, what have you, as you've been praying, what are you getting and what do you want to share? Yeah, I just, I, I'm getting this sense people are having the revelation of just the power of their thoughts and their words. And there's people in this room who have been saying things like my anxiety, you know, my depression, and getting the revelation that that's actually not theirs, it's a spirit, <laughs> and, and they're going to break agreement with it, and that thing's going to leave. And even right now, as I'm saying these words, those things are breaking off of you, because they're not yours, they're a spirit, and they're leaving. Yeah. That's a good word. Anything else? You want, you want, you want your, your husband. You, you know he's got something. Everybody say hi, Peter. Hi, everybody. Peter, a, a medical doctor who, um, and, and I'll just give the, the quick Reader's Digest version of this. Um, marriage, just six, seven years ago, in major trouble. Uh, you have an encounter with God. You, you tell God, I can't fix this. And, and then the Lord enters into your marriage and brings healing in, in such an incredible way. By the way, there's people in the room who say who that word, I can't fix this. The Lord's going to cause that to just have you find the Lord in a way that you never found before. What are you passionate about? Um, like Melinda, I have a real heart for inner healing and deliverance. I have a real heart for uh, just seeing healing, healing of the I can't fix this, that, that desperate surrender. Um, obviously, love men, <laughs> love seeing healing in men. Um, that's, uh, that's, that's really where my heart is. And uh, I, I, uh, th there's a lot of hope that, that's being ignited today. And I think it's a lot of it's in family members. And uh, what I heard as I was praying for you guys today was that doors are being shaken open to bring salvations throughout families. And I was, uh, I was brought to uh, Acts 16. And uh, there's a part of that when uh, Paul and Silas are in jail. And some of you may be familiar with it. And some of you may not be. But... Uh, they're sitting in jail, and it's the middle of the night, and these two guys are worshiping and praising. And it's funny because it says that the person who was watching the jail doesn't hear them. And so it's kind of funny. So I think, that's, I think there's people in this room. I think there are people who are praying in the middle of the night and worshiping for family members, kind of in their spirit. And there's a shaking coming. Yeah. And doors are going to be busted open. There's going to be an opportunity for salvation. Something's happening. 
Yeah, there's restoration and salvation is happening in families. Yeah, I think I really believe that there's there's somebody who's in the middle of the night who's like, yeah, I've been praying. I've been worshiping for that. It's happening. Yeah, we we believe that. And even as the service gets over today, if people want special prayer regarding that, that's so good. And all right, everybody say hi, Angela. Angela, Hello. What, are, what are you passionate about? I'm passionate about the prophetic words of what is God saying right now? What is God speaking right now? Passionate about relationships and also internal dialogue, everything that Steve and Wendy talk about. What are we saying to ourselves and renewing it with the truth instead of the self-sabotage that is so easily, we can so easily partner with? Powerful. And as you prayed today, what do you believe you're supposed to share? I heard Isaiah 61 over this house. I don't have it memorized, so I'm going to pull out my phone. This is a word over each and every one of you over this house, over this leadership. The title of this chapter is The Year of the Lord's Favor. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon you. Because the Lord has anointed you to bring good news to the poor. He has sent you to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn. And I just see over this house, and most specifically... Pastor Lynn, may I invite you onto the stage with us? I feel like this is a word specifically over you and your wife. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, Pastor Lynn, come on. (laughs) I don't know if, if your wife is in the room. She's not, okay. I just saw this vision vision over you these past few days of a double yokes being broken over you and your wife. Double yokes being broken over you. And I asked, Lord, what does this mean? And I just felt that there is a double portion that is about to come upon you, that is about to come over your wife. And because you're so receiving this double portion, it's immediately going to go to every single one of you guys as well. There's more than enough. And so I just want to release the double portion over you. Anything that you are needing, you are wanting, that you are contending for. Yeah, congregation, can you extend your hands to your pastor as well? We just want to say thank you for stewarding this house so beautifully, for the ways that you have sacrificed, for the ways that you have gone above and beyond anything that we could ever ask or imagine. And the Lord is saying that he is pleased with you He is proud of you, and he is going to anoint you in this season for a double portion, and it's going to come, and it's going to manifest in the tangible realm in this next season. And I just see the congregation that you guys are also going to be receiving double portions in this next season where you're going to be coming up to Pastor Lynn and Pastor Renee, and you're going to say, I just got this double portion in ways that I couldn't even have asked or imagined. There's going to be bonuses on your checks. There's going to be... um, this is a silly example, but I even see you breaking eggs in the morning, and there's going to be a double yolk in it. 
<laughs> There's going to be physical manifestations that are going to happen, and the Lord's going to say, it's a double portion for you and for your congregation. And I bless that over you in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Hey, just uh, you guys can stay up here. Um, we want to put a couple slides up here, uh, two slides. One is about how to connect with our ministry, and then also this is before we pray over you. And also we are doing a marriage seminar coming up online February 10th and 11th. Peter and Melinda are going to be key people within that. So I don't know if you've got the slides available. And, and while we're waiting, did you have something you just were, you know, Chris, yeah, why don't you grab that? So how many of you were incredibly blessed and have been very blessed this weekend? One of the things that I was very privileged to sit under Steve Backlund's leadership when I was at Bethel, and he had a, a class was called a leadership track, and it absolutely changed my life. And so obviously we all address today the reality of hope. You know, we want to thank higher. We want to believe the truth. We want to walk in that. And so a little, this is kind of what I felt like, almost like this was the bonus dessert for everyone. Is some, I like dessert. So. I do too. And chips and salsa. Oh, yes. Chips we and salsa. We found that So out. this We're, is like chips and salsa yeah, or chips dessert, and salsa. depending on your preference. But sometimes... It's, we're addressing truth. And so it's like, okay, I, I want to believe these truths. And what blessed me so much were the five um, foundational truths that you released about hope. And I feel like this is a huge nugget for everyone to take in, even to start meditating on these things, because it has helped me so much on every situation I address. I know me and Fallon, we talk about this in the office a lot. We've We've done the devotionals, Igniting Hope in 40 Days. Everyone should do it. But could you just rapid fire bless everyone like yeah. that? All right. Hey, why don't you stand up? Why don't you stand up? And uh, by the way, there is the uh, slide up there for our online conference. If you cannot afford that, let us know. We got a book out there. We don't have a lot of books. This is Igniting Hope in 40 Days. It's a 40-day devotional. A lot of my books and Wendy's are devotionals where you just open it up to any page and you will get a hope, a belief injection. All right, so the renewing of the mind, it says in Romans 12 too, it says be transformed by the renewing of the mind. The renewing of the mind isn't by osmosis or by just reading the Bible, even though that's beneficial. The renewing of the mind is saying, I'm going to believe this and I'm not going to believe that. Yeah. And so we, we understand the power of intentional thinking. Mm -hmm. And so these are truths, and I won't take all the time to support them in Scripture, but they are supported in Scripture that are anchor truths for me. Yeah. The first one is this, is there is always a solution. Just say that. There is always a solution. Say it again. There is always a solution. Say it louder. There is always a solution. Hope people believe there's solutions. And when the brain doesn't believe there's a solution, it won't look for one. A second uh, belief, which is, is I've kind of changed the five, so you're going to like this. The second belief is I will thrive no matter what happens. Say that. I will thrive no matter what happens. Say it again. I will thrive no matter what happens. Say it louder. I will thrive no matter what happens. And, and, and those who believe they'll thrive no matter what happens will thrive no matter what happens. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. 
you know, whatever Paul said, whether I'm abounding or abased, I've learned to be content. I can do all things. And he says, no matter what happens, whether I'm a millionaire or in jail, I'll thrive. Whether I've got government over me that I like or don't like, I'll thrive. Whether I've got a lot of money or not, I'll thrive. Whether people in my family are doing what I want, I'll thrive. You like that one? Here's another one. <clears throat> my past is always being turned to good. My past is always being turned to good. Say it again. My past is always being turned to good. Say it louder. My past is always being turned to good. Now, again, I said I was going to share verses, but I can't help you myself. Have to. I, I know I got uh, Romans eight twenty eight. I mean, the devil he hates a lot of verses, but he really hates Romans eight twenty eight, where it says all things work together for good for those who love God and are the called according to His purpose. Somebody say all things. All things. The moment we recommit to the Lord our love for Him and, and we, we, we say, Lord, I want to do everything for Your glory, then everything turns together for good. The mistakes we've made, uh, the, what, the things that happened to us, and this is a year of Romans 8.28 manifestation. Here's a, you guys like that one? Here's another one. God is richly supplying all my needs. Say it again. Louder. Philippians uh, 4.19 says, And my God shall supply all your needs. Does it say according to your ability? according to his riches in glory. And when we, there, there's just a great grace on us. That's just not financial. The Lord's supplying all of our emotional needs, our relational needs, our needs of ideas, our need of protection, our need to know what to do about what's going on in America. He's, he's supplying it. And, and then the last one uh, is this, is uh, I will always know what to do. Say it again. Say it louder. <laughs> Those who believe they always know what to do will always know what to do. And uh, James 1.5 says, If any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives generously without finding fault, and it will be given to him. And the anxiety of not knowing what to do is a bigger problem than not knowing what to do. The anxiety, I'll say that again, the anxiety of not knowing what to do is a bigger problem than not knowing what to do. I, I wrote, one of the books I wrote is called Fully Convinced. I just It's my latest book, The Art of Decision Making. And it's about attaching faith to who we are and what we're doing and about believing for the wisdom of God to lead us. You like that? I loved that. I've been looking forward to that all weekend, you so have. that really blessed you know, me. I th thank you for pulling that out of me, Christy. <laughs> I was like, please do it. Please do it. What do you think we should do? Just right now? What I think we should do is, first of all, I think that everyone should listen to their podcast. Not in this moment, but when you go home, you should listen to it. Yeah, put up the, the one with Buddy, our dog, up there. That'll be the yeah, Connect that, that one. one. Yeah, you'll, you can, you gotta, you gotta, it's Connect with us. I don't think it said connect, Karen. I think it, yeah, there you go. She's amazing. And so 
just practical tools because we hear this here and then you're like, all right, I want to walk this out. How do I walk this out? I love all of this. If you go and you connect with them, you can listen to their podcast. I feast on it. It's my favorite. It's maybe 20 minutes or less pretty much for every single one. It'll be the greatest gift for you. Listen to their, get their books. This devotional changed my life. Everyone should do it. It's amazing. I gave it to so many different people. But I just encourage you guys, we get to walk this out. We do. As a body, as believers, we get to walk this out together. And also, as brothers and sisters, we get to encourage each other in this. So here's something I really challenge everyone, is do declarations together. Me and Fallon in the office, we do our declarations. And it's really fun when you have people you get to do things with. So I just say, look around for a moment and say, we're in this together. I'm with you. Let's do this. Just before Christy just gives some final direction in, in, in closing. By the way, did you appreciate the team and just what they shared? And just so, so wonderful. And and, and we our website, ignitinghope.com, we have a lot of resources on there, free declarations that you can do. And so, yeah. Um, yeah, just, um, Father, thank you. Just, uh, just put your hands out in front of you like you're receiving a gift right now. And Father, thank you for everybody who's here today. Thank you, Lord. And even if someone's here and you don't know Jesus or you just want to recommit to Jesus, come and see one of the team members today and... Uh, This is a day of hope. This is a day of breakthrough. And I thank you, Lord, just for um, the power of hope and that, Lord, that we are like Ezekiel. And thank you for a grace on our lives in this season to, to not get our beliefs from what we see, but to get our beliefs from you. And thank you, Lord, for uh, just you partnering with our hope and giving us vision and thank you for our unique assignments that you've given us the unique areas that may seem dry that are our calling thank you for just helping us uh, place value and significance on that thank you for faith and hope to just and love to be strong and i thank you that the people in this room are going to a level they've never gone before. I thank you, Lord, that these are great people. These are great people. And thank you just for even this hope for themselves. Thank you that it's increasing. Thank you that it's increasing. Thank you that they're going to like themselves more than they ever have before. A whole new season of liking themselves and being excited about who they are. And thank you for the joy of the Lord. And thank you that these are going to laugh 400 times a day. (laughs) Amen. So if we could have our ministry team come up, we're going to have our ministry team, their ministry team. And I just believe the Lord's already done so many beautiful things. And if you would like prayer, you want to get prayed for, you want to partner with, we just invite you to come up. Don't leave without getting prayer if you're hungry for it. So... We just, in this here, what we're going to do is we'll do a soft close. You can come up. You can get ministered to. With that, if you are not going to be in here for prayer while ministry time is going on, we really ask you to go out in the lobby, keep conversations down. 
But I just thank you, Lord. Let's close our eyes. Thank you, Jesus, for everyone who's here. Thank you that we're never going to be the same again. Thank you for all you've done. We just love you, Jesus. Thank you for sending our precious friends here. Thank you for Steve and Wendy Backlund. Thank you for all that you're doing in their lives. Let's, let's actually direct our hands to them right now. Lord, I just thank you for Steve and Wendy. I thank you for the call of God on their lives. I thank you for their yes. And I thank you for the lives that are continually impacted by their yes, Jesus. I pray that you would bless them in every single area of their lives. I just thank you for your favor, for your goodness. I thank you for the most precious family times that are coming up too. We just declare even more fun family times, Jesus. I just thank you for the favor that you've given for them with the nations. And so we just declare your blessings over them in Jesus' name. Amen.